If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and uh, we'll be reading verses 31 through 33. And, and as we, we, we start here, um, the you being referred to as Moses. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. Hear the word of the Lord. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live long, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess." Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for assembling us today. We are here to please you. We are here to enjoy you. We are here to learn from your word and to apply it in your kingdom. Change our hearts, renews, renew our minds in the, in the ways of Christ. We pray, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the sermon title today is Long Life in the Land. And I trust that this will uh, fit as a follow-on to Michael's sermon last week where we saw that Joseph lived long, not in the specific land that was promised, but he lived a long life, dying at 110. I, I hope that it also fits well with Pastor Kaiser's new sermon series on Joshua where they are having a campaign to go take the land. And so... Long life in the land is what we're talking about today. Long life is very important. Our lives are marked out by our birth, by our death. Whenever we think of somebody who's passed on, we think of their life. How, how, do, how do they live? What do they do? And what age did they die? Life span is a, is a big part of our perspective on people. And it's also a big part of God's perspective on us and God's relation to us. When children die early, we know that there's something out of place. And yet when somebody lives to be 80 or 90 or 100, we say they lived a good long life. We, we know this. But more importantly, the Bible's perspective shows that life and the duration of it is connected to God's dealing with us. God gives, God takes away, because really, it is Him who determines our lifespan. How many instances do we see in the Bible of where God says this person was born and then this person died and this is how long he lived? It's important to God. Well, the context of our passage in Deuteronomy 5 comes in a long, comprehensive sermon from Moses. And in a sense, Deuteronomy is a, a farewell message from Moses. It's an exhortation. It's a challenge. And you can say that Deuteronomy comes down to one question. Will you choose life or will you choose death? And the choice there is not just a direct choice. There is a direct choice, but there's an indirect choice. You, you choose, we choose life or death by whether or not we follow the commandments of God. 
Well, saints, I believe the Lord wants us to learn and to put into practice two main points, two, two principles today. Number one, in God's view, long life is a desirable thing and it shows the blessing of the Lord. And number two, long life is related to daily life faithfulness. And we are commanded to be context, sorry, to be, be faithful in the context of land and place and also in the context of family. So those are the two things that we'll look at today. Put simply, long life is a blessing, and that blessing is related to how we live in the context of place and time and in the context of family. So it's real life. Well, first, in God's view, long life is a desirable thing and shows the blessing of the Lord. It's something that we should seek after. Seek after long life. On one hand, this goes without saying, yet I think there's a tendency to see long life, asking for long life as something selfish or maybe something worldly. Many of us were brought up in uh, dispensational churches and the idea um, can be to get beyond the world and to go to heaven. Also, in uh, evangelical circles, uh, we can have an, an emphasis on the decision for Christ that once we have been saved, the rest of our life is essentially a waiting period. Now, that may, may be an exaggeration, but I, I think these tendencies do, do exist. I think the best thing for us to do is to look at what God thinks about long life and to see that it's important to God. And, and we can see that it is important to him by the number of times that he repeats it. So I wanna read a number of passages that sort of center around our primary passage today. So turn back with me a chapter to Deuteronomy 4. So let's read some of these. Deuteronomy 4, verse 40. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong the days in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. Now, let's look at chapter 5. I think we're okay. Chapter 5, uh, verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Our passage today, let's read it again. Uh, verses 31 through 33. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. One more. Let's go two verses up. Deuteronomy 6, 2. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Now, this, this same uh, sort of thing, almost identical, is repeated um, in chapters 11, in chapters 12, in chapters 22. 
So it's apparent that God, God wants us to seat this into our mind, and it's part of, of a covenant, the covenant at Sinai. And covenants have rewards and punishments, and in a very significant sense, long life is a reward, and early death is a punishment. So it's okay to be pursuing the blessing sides of the covenant. God wants us to do that. I was on a podcast interview last week, a couple of young men, um, one from California, one from Colorado, uh, got some wild oats, and, and uh, they up and moved to Moscow, Idaho, and they started a podcast, and they're all uh, excited. And uh, they, they were interested in w- what is going to be the status before God if Roe v. Wade is revoked and certain states outlaw abortion and other states do not. Now, that was a good topic, a very good topic. But one of the things that they, that they asked me is that how do we keep from thinking that if we do A, then God does B? In other words, how do we prevent this sort of mechanical expectation that things will happen if we do certain things? And I think it's a good question because humanly speaking, we can seek out our own selfish desires, right? Um, but uh, we, we cannot look at it that way because it misses the fact that we are dependent upon God for everything. It's okay for us to say, if we do this, then God will do this. In fact, if we look ahead to Hebrews, what does it say there? But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What I'm saying is that when God presents a covenant and presents blessings, says, if you do this, then I will bless you, embrace that in faith. That's good. That's what God wants us to do. It's part of faith. Now, if this is a promise in the Bible, the promise of long life, shouldn't we expect it to, 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 to see it in real life where, where we live? And it brings us to this question, do Christians actually live longer? Well, they do. At least according to an Ohio State study, this was performed four years ago, the researchers evaluated the obituaries of those people that mentioned their, well, the family members who mentioned the religious uh, affiliation, and they compared the lifespan of those people who, had, who said nothing about their religion. I found it interesting that it was uh, mostly taken from Iowa, uh, Des Moines, in fact. Well, they did a number of iterations with this, uh, considering uh, gender and marital status, and at the end, they concluded that people who are religious live 3.82 years longer. Now, religious, what does that mean? Um, well, that's their, own, that's their own category. We need to remember that mostly these are old people who are dying, right? And this country has been Christian. In fact, even today, even though we're losing our Christian heritage, most of the religion by far in the United States, if, if you ask people who do they affiliate with, would, would be Christian. So it's okay for us to say Christian, even though they say religious. I'm inclined to think that that age difference is probably even more than 3.82 years. And here's, here's why I think that. 
Christians are more apt to write obituaries, I think. It's something that is deliberate and practical to our Christian faith to honor those who have died. Non-believers are not as inclined to do that. So this obituary approach may be missing some deaths of some people that didn't actually even write an obituary. Also, relatives typically write obituaries, right? And so they write about you know, their mom or their dad and they say they're Presbyterian or they're Baptist or they're Lutheran or whatever. And um, that doesn't mean that they are actual Christians, that they are actually spirit-filled Christians, right? So, um, so you have a whole category of people that are labeled as Christians that may or may not be. So, um, so I think the number you know, may even be higher than that, but even if it's only 3.82 years, that's pretty good. That's almost four years difference between the non-Christians and the Christians. Now, when this study came out, it's interesting how the news agencies picked this up. Newsweek, for example, headline, new study shows religious people live longer. That's pretty catchy, right? Well, as you, as you read along and see the magazine's account, as quickly as they can, subtly but quickly, they try to avert any glory given to God. And they say things like this. Well, it's simply the medical benefits of faith because uh, there's increased socialization, there's lower stress, and these things have been medically proven to, to increase life. So it's not actually God, it's what they're doing, right? Well, how should we think about that? How should we think about the fact that it's true? Ask Dr. Shepard. I'm sure the medical data is gonna show lower stress, increased socialization, and these things are actually going to increase lifespan, make our, our, uh, our lives more healthy. So is, is Newsweek wrong to assert that and to say, this, this aligns with the medical data. I don't think so. I think that's a good thing to say, but how should we think about it? How should we write the article with that? Well, the biblical way to think about this is in terms of special revelation from God. Doesn't the Bible say that God will give Christians a peace that surpasses all understanding? Doesn't Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled? And doesn't the Bible teach us to socialize? Forsake not the assembly? What about exercise? 1 Timothy chapter 4 says that there's some benefit to exercise. You know, a lot of Christians, as they get older, the, the only time that they exercise is when they go to church. They get up, they walk to church, they exercise their lungs, these kind of things. So how are we to think about this? Is it God blessing or is it these other things? Well, the biblical way to think is that God can be using means to bring about his promise. Um, God is God of the supernatural, but he's also God of the natural. And the Westminster Confession says this in, in chapter five, God in his ordinary providence, so what he normally does, maketh use of means, the normal means that we have. Yet is free to work without, above, or against them at his pleasure. So it, we should not shy away from the fact that maybe God is making Christians live longer because of what we're doing today. God's sovereign over that. God directs that, right? So Christians do live longer. 
We know it from the stats. There's more I, I didn't get into. But we, we know it even more assuredly from the Bible. We have a more sure word, don't we? Well, that was about lifespans today. Let's, uh, let's turn back to Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. Go back to the beginning here. Genesis chapter 5. I've always found the, the ages of the patriarchs to be very fascinating. Let's read, uh, let's read Genesis 5, verses 1 through 5. And we're, we're going to be reading about Adam. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and then he died. I don't know about you, but when I think of biblical long life, I typically think of Methuselah, 969 years old. But Adam lived to be 930, pretty close pretty close behind. And in my mind, I kind of see Adam as the first man who lived like a normal life, and then he passed it on, and others took over. And perhaps it's because the pictures that I see drawn of Adam always have him young, right? You never see an old picture, old picture of Adam, I don't think. I've seen one. Methuselah is going to be an old picture. One article I read about Adam said, you know, he lived for 930 years, and that's about 15% of the age of the world. Another way of looking at this is that for the first 1,500 years of history, so the first quarter of history, most people either knew Adam or knew somebody who did know Adam. So that's long life, isn't it? Praise God. Well, as we know the story, after the flood, the lifespans of the patriarchs start to decline. And for you math enthusiasts out there, a number of studies have shown a logarithmic decay of lifespan after the flood. So the natural log curve, I gave you a picture of that in your handouts there. This natural log curve is very common in nature, both in biology and in physics, electronics, kinetics, dynamics. In biology, the logarithmic curve is present both in, in growth and in decay. And it's interesting to see that that happened. Now, we don't know why God did this or exactly how God did this. Perhaps, um, the, uh, the, perhaps he did it to, to limit uh, the evil of mankind. There was something in our, our um, um, liturgy today that talked about God cutting off, or maybe it was what, da- what Daniel preached on, I'm not sure. But God does limit a lifespan to limit evil. So it could be that. 
Uh, the DNA mutations uh, can be passed on from generation to generation. So that may have caused it just biologically. Also, there's this idea that uh, there's a lack of, of genes because the human race um, after that point came just from eight people. So maybe less genes uh, to increase health. But we don't really know. Um, but it brings us to another question though. How long can we live today? You see that curve kind of goes down there? Well, let's read another passage in Genesis. Let's go to chapter six. Chapter six, and let's read verses one through three. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of men saw there were daughters, sorry, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Man's days shall be 120 years. Now, this is most likely referring to how long before God will judge the world with the flood, and we can tell that by the context. If we looked forward, we would see that in verse five, it talks about the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and then verse seven says what God's gonna do about this, he's gonna destroy man. Uh, so this is pretty well established uh, that this is the time before the flood, but this 120 years is interesting. Moses lived to be 120 years old. Last week, we saw that Joseph lived to be 110. And 120 years does seem to be a natural limit. And also 70s and 80s and into the 90s seem to be a normal full life. Moses lived to be 120. But Moses also wrote Psalm 90. 90.10 says this, verse 90.10 says this, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. So the 70th and 80th, 80th kind of ballpark, that's what we see in the lifespans. A little more today, we're inching up towards the upper, upper 80s, and we talk about uh, this improved medical things, and that, there's truth to that. But there's also some things we're putting in our body that may not be as good. I, I've always found it interesting that John Adams lived to 91 years old, okay? No angioplasty. No membership at the YMCA. No low cholesterol diet. Sorry, John, if I'm giving out bad medical stuff here, but the point is that um, it's been pretty consistent. The lifespans have been pretty consistent. Anyway, back to this 120 years. Scientists agree that 120 seems to be a limit from which no matter what your genetics are, no matter what your lifestyle is, you can't really extend beyond that. Still, so they, they say 120 is the drop dead number. Um, now, who lives a long time? Who, who, how long do people live? Well, the last world record age person was Kane Tanaka. Kane Tanaka lives, lived in Japan, and she lived to be 119 years old and 107 days. Now, interestingly, Cain Tanaka was a Christian. 
And um, there's not many Christians in Japan. Ask a Pastor Duff. Ask Sherry if she, you are here. Hi, Sherry. <laughs> um, but she converted to Christianity under the influence of past pastors in Japan that were, uh, were put there by the military, so probably chaplains. They presented the gospel to her, and she was saved. Um, lived a long life. At 103, she got colon cancer, but still lived on another 16 years. Uh, she liked to eat chocolate, and, uh, but she also took vitamin C. Now, the oldest living person today is Sister Andre. She's a Roman Catholic nun in France. And as of today, she's 118 years and 106 days old. Now, Roman Catholic nun, is she a Christian? We know that the Roman Catholic Church is not Christian, but some Roman Catholic people are Christian, despite the church. And uh, Sister Andre's parents were Protestants. She didn't become a Roman Catholic till she was 18 years old. So I don't know, it is certainly possible, maybe even likely that she is a Christian. So this 120 years in Genesis 6 is saying how long it's going to be before God brings the flood. But I think it's likely that it also means that it's a maximum number of years for a lifespan. And my thinking is this, God gave 120 years for people to repent back before the flood, or to store up wrath for themselves. And in a sense, our lifetimes are the same thing. He's giving us time here to repent, and if we don't repent, we're storing up wrath. Um, there's, there's also no chance after death for repentance. We know that from the rich man uh, in, uh, in Luke 16. Also, 70 to 80, inching up to 90 is a normal lifespan, it's 89 today, then 120 seems about right as a statistical maximum. So normal long life in the 80s and 90s today, here's an interesting thing, at that age you'll be able to see your children's children, which is a promise uh, in Psalm 128 that we're going to sing after the sermon today. So I don't know if if living past 120 years would even be that good? Paul dealt with this question, didn't he? Should I stay here? Should I go to heaven? And he says, to live is Christ, but to die is what? It's gain. So death for the Christian is actually a gain. So we wouldn't want life to be too long. 120 years seems pretty good. So while God said 120 years to the flood, he may also have said 120 years as the maximum lifespan. Um, there's a, a typo in your, in your handout where it says we need to remember that God extends the life of a faithful person. This is what it should say. We need to remember that God not only extends the life of a faithful person, he can and does shorten the life of an unrighteous person. That's the other side of the coin, right? Last week, I was talking to brother David Lane and he told me of a, a story of a man who lived a, a long time. He was a man that was very well respected and one time in a, in a group setting, they, they sort of got him cornered and, um, and somebody says, what's your secret? 
how did you live so long? And he says, oh, you want to know what the secret is? And everybody kind of leans in a little bit. And he says, here it is. Here, here it is. A secret to a long life. Don't die young. What do you say to that? You laugh? I mean, I don't know. But God extends life by not exacting death. There's a truth to this. And God restrains evil, as we already mentioned. Psalm 37, 9 says this, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. In 1 Corinthians, New Covenant, we see that people who are taking the Lord's Supper unworthily not considering that this is actually the Lord's Supper, and we're talking about the, the body and the life of Christ, well, some of those became sick. Some of them died. So this blessing that we have a promise of is an extension of life, but we should remember that it is an extension because God has saved us and is saving us, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us to keep these commandments. That's what it's talking about. Keep the commandments so that you will have this blessing. And we have the Holy Spirit with us. Now, this blessing is not just about living long. It's also about living well. Uh, let's turn back to Deuteronomy 5, our passage today. And let's look at verse 33. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you. So the promise is not just for a long life, but for a good long life. A long life of bad things would not be a very good blessing, right? So the Lord blesses us with that. When we come to our second point now, We've seen that, that, that the, the blessing of long life is something to be sought after. But now, in a more application sense, I want to go to the second point. Long life is related to daily life faithfulness and obedience. We are commanded to be faithful in the context of land, so place, and in the context of family. Now, here's a question. This promise of long life, as we read, particularly in, in the Ten Commandments, is it for the corporate nation of Israel, such that the nation would have a long life, to have national su success, or is it individual? Well, it's both. It's corporate and it's individual. Many times, and particularly in the book of Deuteronomy, corporate faithfulness, Corporate blessings are, they're distinct, but they're assumed in the Hebraic mindset to be very connected to individual faithfulness and blessing. It's so connected that you don't even have to, to mention it. Let's look at some things. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse one. So turn back to, the, to the, where chapter five begins and uh, let's read what it says there. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, hear, O Israel, the statutes which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. Verse two, verse two talks about the covenant made with Yahweh at Mount Oreb, which is 
also Mount Sinai. It's a corporate one. He was with us in Horeb. And that's important because even though there are individual commands, like thou shalt not commit adultery, the second table of the law falls in the civil jurisdiction. And so in fractions there, in order for them to be dealt with in a biblical way, demands a corporate covenant. But Deuteronomy, in, in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling people to choose life or death. He's doing it in a corporate way, a national way, but individuals are responsible. And here's a good example. Deuteronomy chapter six. Let's go to the quintessential homeschooling verse. Let's start with uh, verse four. Deuteronomy six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So there's no real dichotomy here. Those things go together. And so there is a sense of a long life for Israel that is promised in the Ten Commandments, but there's also an individual one. Today, we're focusing mainly on the individual one. But I didn't want us to miss the corporate aspect of it. If, if we just talked about the individual, we would miss the full scope of what the Bible is talking about. Well, next, let's, let's talk about whether or not these things that we've been reading apply in the new covenant. Is living long in the land just for the old covenant? Let's turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And as we turn here, let's, let's also remember that it's not required for something to be presented in the New Testament for it to still be binding today. It's actually the other way around. The Old Testament is binding unless God changes it or, you know, um, or re revokes it. Only God can change it. So what I'm going to show us is a good example, but please don't think that the only reason that we know that this applies in the New Covenant is because we see this in, in, in the New Testament, okay? Um, it's still helpful, though. It's helpful to see these things. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. I remember uh, way back when we lived in Alabama, we were going to a Southern Baptist church. It was, it was a good, good church. And they wanted to find ways to help fathers engage and lead, lead their children. And uh, so we had a meeting at Starbucks in uh, Alabama, 95 degrees outside, and we went inside and got some hot coffee. 
and we sat around and we talked about different ways for men to lead their families. And there was different ideas that went around. And, and, uh, and I, I turned to the quintessential homeschooling passage and, you know, to, to show this idea of an organic life that we need to teach, that parents need to teach the commandments of God, and particularly fathers, because that's just written in, the, in the, the masculine, right? And uh, there was a man there. Um, <clears throat> his name was Tom, older man. He was an elder in the church. Uh, Tom was a, a smart man, uh, Harvard Law graduate. And uh, when, when I suggested that maybe we ought to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, he, he leaned out at the end of the table, kind of looked at me, and he said, yes, but they also stoned their children when they disrespected them. And his point was that, well, we can't use this stuff, obviously, because of look at what they did, right? I didn't know what to say to Elder Tom at that time. Um, it's probably good I didn't say anything at that time. But I left that going, oh, you know, we're really missing something here. This, and, 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 and even though Elder Tom didn't think this applied, the Apostle Paul does. Honoring parents is a significant thing, and he's, he's not delaying at all to quote this exactly without any explanation, right? And it's not just for Israel either. This is a promise and an explicit command for the whole world. That, that's actually a significant point in Ephesians, if we were, were to go back, that the, that the promises and, and, the, and the covenant is n not just for Israel anymore, it's for the whole world. So this is a good e example. Um, it's actually pretty clear that God presents this in covenant form to us today, that it may be well with us and that we may live long on the earth and the new covenant. Now I wanna talk about this, this phrase, in the land. Okay, it says, um, now verse three actually in, of Ephesians says that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's how it's translated. Well, that word in the Greek is the word gay, gamma eta. Uh, and it's the same word that we see for the meek shall inherit the earth in Matthew five. Um, so it's translated earth here, but usually it's translated land. And I think it's good for us to think about it in terms of land. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, when, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He's, he's quoting uh, Psalm 37. And Psalm 37, if you read it, that's much more boundary-driven. That's much more local, and this is where you are, where you're living. So, of course, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying the earth, because as we know, and as Pastor Kaiser's going to lead us through in the, in the book of Joshua, Canaan is a type of the whole world. So both are correct, land and earth. But I think it's important for us to keep in the context coming from Psalm 37 that is more local in nature. So we're talking about a particular spot in time and place. Where you are, there keep the commandments. And you're gonna live long right where you are. Putting it another way, the, the, the Bible is not just talking about long life medically. 
It's not just talking about doing well in general. This is more tangible. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's lower medical bills. Maybe it's more success in business. Maybe it's a longer life. Maybe it's happier homes with less strife. Maybe it's uh, planting and growing some of those plants y'all are talking about sharing on Discord right now. Okay, so, it's, so what's in mind here is a, is a geographical, a chronological, a historical faithfulness and blessing in time and space. Not just how long you live, okay? It's practical. Well, there's another very important that we see here. This daily faithfulness is in the context of family. And we read a number of verses as we, as we started this, and we saw about life going well. Now, not all of them were directly linked to parents, but in Exodus it is, in Deuteronomy 5 it is, and in Ephesians 6 right here it is. So there is a connection. And the family concept is very important to God. It is his authority structure. It's the structure for parents shepherding young hearts. And again, that's why it's so important. I wanna I want talk to maybe you, you teenagers who are being homeschooled. And maybe you're considering, wow, this is really hard. I'm gonna maybe consider different options. Maybe, maybe even a Christian school. Now, Christian school's allowed, um, but the, the most important thing is for parents to be shepherding the hearts of their children and that's how we have generational faithfulness. That's how, and, and they need to honor the parents that it may be well with them. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So children, please hear this clear meaning. You, you, you young children, you may not be concerned about a, a long life right now, but I, you're probably pretty concerned about early death. I think everybody is, rightly so. So when it says that it may be well with you and that you may live long, consider the fact that God can protect you, give you a long life. And also, of course, this is not just for little children. It's for all of us who have parents honor them that there may be blessing a long life and that it may go well with you this is a, a the first command with a promise so god intends for that fact to perk our interest this is important to him very important to him now what about those faithful christians that don't live long not every Christian lives a long life. We, so we, we know of these things. Some of the historic people who died early, we read about some of the martyrs, and we seek to have their courage. But we, we, we need to think and we need to realize that those who died early for Jesus' sake, they're not shortchanged and blessing. The fact that, that that long life ended early God is still going to bless them. They will have a blessing. They will have a reward in heaven. So if a life ended early for Christ's sake, we can be confident that that blessing is still there. Also, remember Paul's evaluation of living long or dying. He wasn't sure which was better. 
There was work for him still to do, but emotionally he was ready to be with Jesus. He lived for Christ, to live as Christ, but to die as gain. The point is, is that long life is a great blessing, but eternal life is a better blessing. Also, there have been times in history, and there may be more times in the future where long life for the Christian, for the faithful Christian, is not the norm. Sometimes Christians are persecuted. Sometimes Christians get wrapped up in the judgment of a nation, like plagues, like COVID. But these things do not nullify the promise of God. Romans 3 talks about this concept. Now, Romans 3 is talking about a different promise. It's the promise to the Jews and the, uh, and the fact that Israel's not being faithful. But the, I think that the point here still applies. God is faithful to his promises. Let God be true and every man a liar. If a Christian dies an early death, it may be at the hands of evil men, but they receive a greater reward. And lastly, I know some faithful Christians, and probably you do too, who have been faithful in their lives, but haven't taken real good care of themselves. So uh, we need to take care of ourselves in health. Um, we need to do those things, reduce our stress, exercise, you know, so I'm back, John, I hope I'm, I'm coming back around here. Those, those are important things to do. God wants us to take care of our body. And so we don't want to have this attitude that, that all we have to do is just do these certain commandments in the, in the Ten Commandments, and we'll be fine. Actually, the best way to think about it is that really the, the commandments of God cover us taking care of ourselves. They demand that we, would, that we cover ourselves, Love our, loving God, loving our neighbor. Well, in summary, I hope that we've seen that long life is a blessing from God. It enables us to see our children's children. It, a long life enables us to work for Christ longer, to do more for the kingdom, and to perhaps store up more treasures to present to Christ at the judgment. If we're biblical in our view of work and finances, a long life may mean that we have more, more money to give to our children and to the church. Long life is also a corporate blessing. The older men and women that we have in this church, they share their wisdom with us. They encourage us. I hope we've also seen that long life is not just a, a matter of living longer biologically. It's a matter of cultivating faithfulness where we are geographically, historically, and also as families. God has a particular interest in how we honor our parents for reasons that we can see and perhaps for some reason that we may not fully know. God offers us a blessing if we honor our parents. Now, practically, what does this mean? Well, we didn't expound upon this, but those verses that we read, maybe you noticed that it talked about walking in all the ways of the Lord. There's a comprehensiveness, there's a totality here that is required. Well, what does that mean? Going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, it means that we need to teach all 
of the commandments. We need to know those things really well if we're supposed to, how can we keep them if we don't know them? An understanding of the commandments should be presented to our families as opportunities for reward as well. That's okay. It's a covenant and there are rewards in the covenant. I want to also say <clears throat> that um, if you've been convicted of sin, you know, you look at this and you say, well, I haven't kept all the commandments. I would say, let's remember the communion meditation today. Remember that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. So, so what we do is we live in covenant with Jesus and we confess our sins and then we keep the commandments and we go forward, we honor our parents and we expect blessings. Good life, long life. And lastly, I just wanna say that long life, one that goes well in the land, shows something very important. It shows us the favor of God. It's God's love to his children. When our children do something well, we want to reward them. We're not talking about salvation, but we're talking about earthly blessings and blessings that we can return to God later. We as fathers and mothers enjoy rewarding our children. Long life in the land is to be cherished. Seek after it and do so by faithfully following all of the commandments. And be blessed. Long life in the land. Maybe so. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful that you are so clear about blessings that can come. We are so thankful that you show your heart that you want to bless us, to give us long life in the land. We're also so thankful that you warn us to steer us, to keep us from early death. So Father, I pray that we will change our hearts and change our minds and embrace this truth that you want us to know that it may be well with us and that we may live long in the land. In Jesus' name, amen.